Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDrivesChicago.com. Drive what Captain Jonathan Taves drives. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you use, and like our YouTube page as well. All videos are posted on the Blackhawks YouTube page. We have a great show planned for you today. Kaylee and I get into the NCAA Men's Hockey Tournament, a look at the standings, and then somewhat of an off-the-wall interview with NASCAR driver Kurt Busch, who happens to be a huge Chicago sports fan. Stick around. It's all ahead on Blackhawks Insider. And it's great to be with you once again. I'm Chris Vosters, joined by my co-host Kaylee Chelios. Kaylee, it is great to be home. Uh, it feels like I'm moving into my apartment again after a really long month of March travel with the Blackhawks. Doing laundry again, just kind of getting back into the swing of things. But uh, they say the NHL grind is no joke. And listen, I really, I really felt it this week with that, with that long road trip. Hey, 15 games in the month of March, longest road trip. And... How many laundry loads did you have, Chris? How many suits do you pack on an 11-day trip? Or is it not 11 days? Maybe it was eight. No, it was an 11-day trip. I mean, you know, trip. if you count if you count the travel days, yeah. Yep. Um I packed I I packed two suits and then five shirts for each of each one of the games. So Very I nice. I kind of rotated things around that way and then I think four ties which don't take up a lot of space, but I mean, it was a, uh, it was a challenge. I mean, you know me, I pride myself on packing light and I, <laughs> I had to go, I had to go to two, two suitcases for this trip to, I noticed that suitcases. actually that small duffel compared to my 66 pound large suitcase was impressive, but I, I was pleased to see that you needed a, a second one. <laughs> yeah, I had to, uh, I, I'm, I was packing like our guest on the show today, Kurt Bush does with uh, with all these extra suitcases. We'll uh, we'll pay that off for you later on in the show. But lots going on in the hockey world, Kaylee. Uh, the NCAA tournament is going on right now. The Frozen Four field is set. There were some exciting games, and there are a lot of Blackhawks prospects that are playing for their. NCAA college teams going through the tournament and now we'll be competing in the Frozen Four as well. So uh, Boston University is in the Frozen Four, led by goalie Drew Camesso, who's played really well. He's a Blackhawks draft prospect. And uh, as a Big Ten fan, you know I'm a Big Ten fan, uh, the Big Ten Conference very well represented in the Frozen Four between Michigan and Minnesota. And uh, there were also, Ohio State and Penn State had good tournament runs as well. So what are your thoughts on the NCAA tournament so far? Yeah, I think it's been exciting. And as a Big Ten fan myself, um, I thought there were, it, was, it was cool to see how many blowouts there were in the first round. That has never happened with so many teams winning by a landslide. The amount of goals that were put up in particular by Big Ten teams, including Ohio State. And you mentioned there's seven draft or prospects, excuse me, from the Blackhawks that are participating or that were in the NCAA. So it's uh, it's pretty cool. I saw Jake Wise for the Blackhawks. He captains Ohio State. His line put up 10 points collectively. Um, 
just a lot of points, high point totals, a lot of goals, a lot of blowouts in the first round. So I think it's going to make for an exciting Frozen Four. And it was pretty fun getting to to watch that Michigan-Penn State game, the way it unfolded and, and seeing Nazar and um, you mentioned Drew Camesso too, who very possibly may join uh, and sign his NHL contract after BU this year. And who knows, maybe there's going to be a good one-two punch down in Rockford, depending on how things shake out with Jackson Stauber between Soderblom and Drew Camesso, who you know has only let in two goals in two games in the tournament. So a lot of impressive stats from that perspective, a lot of big blowouts, but uh, I think that says something about the competitiveness and just how many players – uh, after this tournament's over, may go on to sign contracts this year compared to years past. It seems like, as opposed to just a few, there may be a a handful, 10 or so players that go on to sign NHL contracts, and it's going to be competitive. Yeah, that's a great point. And Frank Nazar, Blackhawks' first-round draft pick last season with a goal and an assist for Michigan in their first-round game against Colgate, the final score 11-1, to which is crazy. Um, whether Nazar comes out or not, I, I, you know, I, I have absolutely no insight into this. I personally don't think he will remember. He missed the first chunk of the college hockey season with recovering from sports hernia surgery. So I think when, when he gets a full off season to develop and then a full college hockey season healthy, I think he will really, really take off, especially in a, in a powerhouse program like Michigan, but Frozen Four field is set. Michigan, Quinnipiac, Minnesota, and Boston University will vie for the Frozen Four championship. Um, and I did, as, as kind of a segue into our next topic, Kaylee, in Michigan's come-from-behind win over Penn State in the regional final, Michigan was down one nothing in the third period. Then Adam Fantilli ties the game on a power play goal. Michigan goes on to win it in overtime, but... After Connor Bedard, the consensus number one pick in the upcoming draft, Adam Fantilli, who currently plays for the Michigan Wolverines, is considered the number two prospect in the upcoming amateur draft. And look, uh, you know, it, it, it's no guarantee whether the Hawks finish with the fewest number of points or not. It, it, it's no guarantee that they get the the first overall pick, the second, the third. There's there's a lot that's still up in the air with the way the NHL does. It's draft lottery. So um, I've been keeping an eye on Adam Fantilli personally, just in case, because there's a there's a chance that the Hawks end up with him in their lap. And that would be a great thing because he seems like a fabulous player. Yeah, any other draft and he'd be considered still, you know, possibly a franchise changing number one. So it's, it's not really like a secondary option. He's really uh, that talented, that elite and depending on what happens at the end of the tournament, you know, I don't know how much more there would be for him at this point when he gets drafted. Um, you know, he probably would leave school. I mean, obviously if you win a championship this year, it seems like it's even more enticing to want to leave and immediately go try to make your mark in the NHL. That way he has the confidence, the skill set. He looks like he's going to be able to transition. You never know. Um, you know, sometimes you put all this pressure on these kids coming out of the NCAA and it, it's, it's hard and it's a lot, but um, you know, you look at even World Junior Championship, what what was so impressive about Bedard, uh, and this isn't a slight at all at Fantilli, was just his ability under pressure 
to perform the way he did at that level, even with everybody watching him at that young of an age, is is really impressive. And that's that's those are things that stand out to you when you're evaluating a player of that caliber over a large body size. So Fantilli may not have put up as impressive numbers in that tournament necessarily, but I think when you look at the larger sample size from him, which is what player development and scouts are looking at, uh, they're extremely impressed by him, and there's a lot that he's been able to accomplish even this season that have have put him at another level. And watching him score that goal, obviously, it's you know no surprise against Penn State that he's the one to put the team on his back and come in clutch. So he's got clutch. He's got it all. He would be a great um, pick for the Blackhawks if they're fortunate enough to have a top three pick. So for me, that's just the hope right now is that you do get a top three pick, whether it's Bedard, whether it's Fantilli. Uh, that that to me is, is going to be what I'm hoping for. I'm, I'm not necessarily putting all my marbles in a basket for Bedard because, like you said, the, the lottery is going to play out differently depending on how everything finishes here. From our perspective, it's hard not to keep an eye on the standings, just uh, the the teams that are in the mix with the Blackhawks for fewest points in the NHL. Um, you know, going into it's, it's interesting going into the season, the the Blackhawks were expected to be one of the teams in the mix for fewest points, uh, along with the Arizona Coyotes. Now, the Coyotes are are going to get a top ten pick, but. They have outperformed in many ways uh, how people thought they would be at the start of the season. So it hasn't been the the Blackhawks and the Coyotes in this race to the bottom, if you will. It's been the Blackhawks and the San Jose Sharks and the Columbus Blue Jackets um, with the Anaheim Ducks also kind of uh, flirting in the mix as well. Now, if, if if you had to make me predict where the Hawks will finish with now about two and a half weeks left in the season. I think the Hawks are going to finish with more points than both San Jose and Columbus. Um, it, it, it's really close right now. Going into the, the final week of March, the Hawks have one more point than San Jose and three more points than Columbus. But the Hawks do some, you know, with Columbus, their season derailed by injuries. When you look at Chicago and San Jose, I think the Blackhawks play harder than the Sharks do, quite frankly. The Sharks have the guy who might win the Norris Trophy on their team, defenseman Eric Carlson, a defenseman who could very well put up 100 points this season. And they get housed like every game right now. So, I, I think that the that the Hawks are going to come in with with the third worst position going into draft lottery night, which you know again doesn't doesn't mean that they're not going to get the first overall pick or even the second overall pick. But based on on what I'm kind of feeling, based on what I've seen from Columbus and San Jose, I, I think that the that the Hawks are going to finish ahead of both of those teams personally in the standings. I think that's a very um, accurate statement. I'm with you. I agree that that's probably where they would finish. And from just a macro perspective and general opinion on the Hawks, like when you look at them compared to the San Jose Sharks, I, I do think they play harder. And like you said, they have Eric Carlson, who's 
probably going to win the Norris at the end of the season. There's really nobody else that's having an impact season of defensemen the way he is, despite, you know, maybe some of the arguments you could make in terms of how poorly the Sharks have played. You, you rarely see defensemen win the Norris on a team that are where the San Jose Sharks are currently. So it's an interesting year for that, but they still do have some, you know, elite talent in that regard. And what the Blackhawks have been able to do, especially as of late, not just with injury, they're playing hard. And if you're management and obviously you want to win every game, that's evident from the coaches uh, for the Blackhawks who have this team playing hard every game, but they're losing games and they're losing them the right way, if you will. Uh, by a goal, you know, the last couple have been really tight and empty net goal, and it's it's young players, you know, mistakes, fatigue. They're running into some adversity right now after that long road trip that you just came back from after 11 days, and I still think they're they're battling hard to the end, a lot more so than I would say Anaheim and San Jose do, and Columbus, like you said, injury-stricken. So I think third is a is a good place to guess for you, Chris. And, and look, I mean, if the Blackhawks do get the third overall pick, Jonathan Taves was the third overall pick. So, you know, it, it's certainly not certainly not the the end of the world or, or whatever. Yeah. And, and it's also not a guarantee that just because the Blackhawks finish with the third fewest points that they get the third pick. They could right. they could go up to one. They could drop to five. I mean, who who knows? So it's gotta hold your breath. <laughs> you gotta hold your breath. It, it exactly. Well, as we mentioned at the start of the show, we have a, a very special guest joining Blackhawks Insider this week. He is NASCAR driver Kurt Busch. Now, I mean, we've got a lot of great guests lined up on the Blackhawks Insider podcast. So it's not like we just reached into the hat and pulled out Kurt Busch's name. He's got a lot of ties to the Chicago sports scene, and he's going to talk to us about a big NASCAR event that's coming to Chicago over the summer. So without further ado, here we are with Kurt Busch. We are thrilled to be joined by NASCAR Cup Series champion Kurt Busch. Kurt, welcome to the Blackhawks Insider Podcast. It's great to have you. Now, some of our fans, we are a podcast for a hockey team at the end of the day. Some of our fans might be wondering, all right, why do we have a NASCAR driver joining the show. You, however, are a massive Chicago sports fan because your parents grew up in Chicago and you're going to be in town to promote a NASCAR event that is happening in Chicago over the summer. So we're thrilled to have you at the Blackhawks Blues game coming up on Thursday night. But uh, first of all, let's get into this. Why, in, you know, understand your parents grew up in Chicago, but how did your fandom as a, a Chicago sports fanatic evolve? Well, thank you again, first of all, for having me on the show. And it's great to talk with you guys and talk Chicago sports. And, of course, I'll be up there for the NASCAR race. It's the first ever NASCAR Chicago street race. Like, first ever time we're going to be on the streets. So we'll get into all that later on. Uh, but just being a fan from Chicago, like, right, my family, my granddad, they all grew up in Schaumburg, Rolling Meadows, Arlington Heights. And uh, I grew up out in Vegas. Uh, they moved out there in the 70s because they said they were done shoveling snow. Uh, but I'm a WGN baby. I, I watched all Chicago sports on WGN as a kid. And anytime I come up to the city, it is my favorite city in the United States. Kurt, 
So you're a Chicago sports fan. I think it's so cool, you know, watching you recently in the last few weeks, getting ready for our interview and stuff, just being a Jordan brand athlete. Obviously, Michael Jordan is here. There we go. (laughs) Repping it as we speak. So their first season was in 2021, and you're a race car driver for Michael Jordan. He loves going to NASCAR events. He's been to quite a few. I just wanted to ask you off the hop, like, what was your interaction like prior to joining his team with him and getting to know him? And then how did that relationship evolve into what it is now and your partnership? Yeah, MJ and and the whole program here at 2311 Racing, it's so cool. And everybody's so laid back, but everybody is top-notch professionals. And everybody pushes from, from right here. And that's what I learned in the first five minutes with MJ. Like, of course, I'm nervous. And it's a meeting, like an interview, to see if I was going to be the driver with this team. And within the first five minutes, he goes, you know why you're going to be part of this team? He says, I already know that you know how to win. You've got the talent. It's that you have the heart. And that's how he played the game. And that's how I've been coaching all the different employees and the young athletes here that are part of our pit crew is to dig within and to know the game at a different level. And that's why it's so much fun to race for MJ and for Denny Hamlin. MJ's a a pretty big hockey fan too. I know he was, he was around NHL all-star week festivities down in South Florida this winter um, and you know, he made some appearances too at the United Center when the Blackhawks were on their on their Stanley Cup runs. But uh, Curtis, have you been to a Blackhawks game before, or, or will Thursday night be your first time at the United Center for a for a Hawks game? No, I've been to been to the United Center plenty of times for Hawks games, uh, you know, Bulls games. I uh, saw Bruce Springsteen there uh, probably about five years ago. So I mean, love the place. <laughs> but yeah, just uh, being an overall sports guy, anytime that I get a chance outside of NASCAR uh, to go to a fun game or a place that I haven't been to before, uh, I check that off the list. And then if there's an open couple days here or there, you'll see me at Wrigley or you might see me at Soldier Field or the United Center. Are you going to catch opening day for the for the Cubs while you're up too? Or because opening day for the Cubs is on is on Wednesday, March 30th. Now that. You you know you grew up in Vegas. You live in the Carolinas now. That, that's a that's a cold that's a cold opening day up in, up in Chicago. But uh, what are you are you going to get to Wrigley as well? Yeah, I'll I'll be at opening day. Um, I caught one before, <laughs> so this will be my second. And we're on the gas with Toyota right now. It's so much fun to be a, a driver for Toyota Racing, to be part of the TRD development program. And so yeah, I'll be around the city with my Camry, and then be there for opening day. And just, I think it's going to be decent weather. It shouldn't be too rainy. It shouldn't be too cold. As long as the wind's not blowing, right? Are you a bleachers guy at Wrigley? Or are you going to be in a nice suite? I'm all over the place. Bleachers <laughs> are perfect in the summer, right? Yeah, you got you to gotta pick your poison on knowing where to go. And I would hope that we're sitting in the sun, maybe getting a little warmth because it's April. Uh, and then, of course, you got to have those fun bleacher days in the summer. And then uh, behind home plate, you know, when uh, Mr. Ricketts hands me a couple tickets, you got to go. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and, and Kurt, we're, uh, we're going to have you in the broadcast booth at the United Center for that Thursday game against the St. Louis Blues. Can't, uh, can't wait to have you up there. You'll probably still be wearing the, 
the monster hat. I wish I could wear this on the broadcast. Believe me, uh, the casual look is, is more my speed. But uh, we'll, we'll make it happen on Thursday in the broadcast. We can't wait to have you. And, and actually, I wanted to ask you, too, the national anthem at United Center. Do, does it remind you at all of, of, a, of a NASCAR event in terms of the way people cheer and get super loud at the national anthem? Uh, you know, it kind of sets the tone for, for the entire hockey game and, and kind of an, an interesting parallel, I think, when you look at the patriotism between the national anthem at the United Center and then at a, at a NASCAR event. Well, I'll tell you, we need to do a, we'll do a hat swap, you know, when I'm up there. I got my stick on the ice. I'm ready for hockey and... You know, that whole atmosphere, it, it's its electric versus other sports for all three periods, right? And then I'll tell you a funny story. At Chicagoland Speedway, over the last two decades, we raced out in Joliet. And a few of the years, the national anthem was played by the Blackhawks guy, right? And the crowd started doing its thing, and everybody on pit road was like, what's going on? Why are we disrespecting the, the anthem? I'm like, everybody just calm down. Like the people in NASCAR didn't know about the national anthem at Blackhawks. That's good that there was a Chicago expert in the, in the crowd, Kaylee, to just let everybody yes. know what the situation was. Every player. I mean, we, we talked to a lot of players cause there's a lot of new faces in the Blackhawks locker room this season and everybody pretty much will attest that it's the best national anthem in hockey by far really emotional, like Chris said, a lot of fun. Um, I want to go back really quickly just because you're going to be in the broadcast booth on Thursday, and I caught a little bit of you broadcasting the last race that your team won, 23-11, and you mentioned how good of a driver Tyler Reddick is, and he was driving your car, right, 45? Yes, yeah, he's uh, now taking okay, over. Okay, so, yep. so how, how was the – I mean, first of all, you do a phenomenal job broadcasting, so it'll be fun to watch you and Chris in the booth on Thursday for the Blackhawks games, but – Second of all, how, how was that experience for you watching him win? And he dominated from what I saw going into victory lane. And it seemed like you got a little emotional towards the end of that, too. What did that win mean to you, just kind of freshly coming off that while we have you? I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, that was my first ever cup race that I've called in NASCAR. I've done uh, the secondary series and then the truck series over the last two, three years. And that was, that was my one race uh, that they said, all right, we need you at Coda for the road course. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, that's one that Monster is sponsoring. And that's one that Tyler Reddick, the, the kid that took over for driving the car, he's like, yeah, I circled that one because I, I really love the road course action. And so it was, like a, it was a perfect storm. I mean, it's almost like a one and done, drop the mic, I, I'm out for broadcasting on the cup side so i'm looking forward <laughs> to hanging out with different sports doing different things um you know not racing full time anymore uh gives me opportunities to to branch out and to explore whether it's tv uh different fun events with monster energy different fun events with toyota um you know i'm sure there'll be pace car rides that i need to take you guys on uh before the chicago street race let's Whoa. get sign us up Whoa. we're ready <laughs> get ready <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get a couple of the players out there. I mean, it's going to be a fun festival uh, all week long, and it's a July 4th weekend. I think the race is uh, Sunday the 2nd, but it just kicks off, you know, the, the, the peak of summer with us racing in the city streets. Something very new, something very different. So uh, put your chaos hat on. Let's go. 
So it's a street race, though. Yeah. So it's not traditional. It's not like an oval. Like, what do you think about it's in a new market and just that concept in general, how good that might be for NASCAR viewership and and what you're trying to accomplish here with everything going on that weekend? It sounds amazing. Yeah, it's a it's going to take a tremendous effort all the way around, whether it's from the TV side of it, uh, the production side, uh, the NASCAR side, the teams, uh, the safety aspect of keeping the drivers and the fans and everyone uh, within the boundaries of it, uh, the, the getting into the track, getting out, uh, the atmosphere, hopefully the weather cooperates. That's usually number one uh, in this day and age with sports. Uh, but we are prepared in NASCAR to race in the rain. Uh, and, you know, with uh, all the different elements that we've put ourselves through, NASCAR has in the last few years, uh, we, we can pull off anything at this point. And so this is pretty much the top adventure. And that's that's what we're going to try to pull off. We're talking with Kurt Busch. He's a NASCAR Cup Series champion. He's an avid Chicago sports fan. And a Chicago NASCAR event, a street race, is coming to the Windy City in July. Kurt's talking about that. Now, from a skill set perspective, what would it be like for an established stock car racer to transition to street racing? What What are the differences in in skill set there. Yeah, I think a, a quick um, comparison is Formula One races quite a bit on street circuits uh, like Monaco. Uh, they're in Azerbaijan. Uh, they just raced in Saudi Arabia. And that's kind of more of a hybrid style street course. Uh, IndyCar. IndyCar for years has raced the Long Beach Grand Prix, which is on city streets in California. Uh, they did Nashville uh, last year, streets of Toronto. So for NASCAR, it, it's new, but this has been done before. And it just takes a, a team and a driver's mentality to adapt to anything and everything. Because there's going to be you know, asphalt corners, there's going to be concrete corners, there's going to be manhole covers, <laughs> there's going to be uh, jumps and imperfections that are part of, you know, not jumps, but just bumps and things that are not normal for our uh, normal smooth um road courses that are permanent. You mentioned Formula One, Kurt, and the popularity of Formula One in the United States has skyrocketed with the with the Netflix documentary that came out. Um, you know, what what is what is your kind of take on on the rise of Formula One popularity as it relates to NASCAR and um, does that make NASCAR nervous? Is it a, is it a case of a rising tide lifts all boats with popularity to to this, to the sport in general, what what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it, it helps all motorsports. And at the end of the day, you know, getting into somewhat politics, but mainly the manufacturers, you know, with Mercedes, with McLaren, Ferrari, Aston Martin, they sell the majority of their cars here in the U.S. We're the number one market for that type of of buyer, and that's why you see Toyota. Ford and Chevrolet so heavily involved in NASCAR because it puts that brand out there and our fans, our blue collar, hardworking fans, you know, have those types of cars. And that's where we're out there racing to win. And then we want to sell the cars on Monday when people go, man, that, that guy was fast or, you know, that, that car really did, did its job this weekend. And I want to go and have one of those. Have you watched Drive to Survive, Kurt? 
I've seen a few episodes. I need to <laughs> like binge it and go through everything because I was actually on the TV broadcast with Gun- Gunther Steiner, who runs the um, the Haas F1 American program. He's he's an animal. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you think something like that might? be good for nascar as well just getting ratings up viewership i know you said it's good for all everything in the sport but specifically just from a competition standpoint where do you think nascar can go i mean you, you have this veteran presence leadership championship pedigree yourself now and you're still so involved where do you think nascar needs to go from getting just more and pe- more people involved in it watching it and getting excited about it yeah, we need to be on that. You know, there has to be the cooperation and the collaboration between the teams, the drivers uh, and our TV partners. It needs to be done. You know, like I, I'm maybe because I'm 44 years old and I've done everything in NASCAR, won a lot of stuff. I've wrecked a lot of stuff. Uh, I just think we just need more eyeballs. And I don't really have, you know, any kind of second remorse about it. Let's go. Let's just do it. But others are a bit more conservative. And so those are the ones that we have to convince that this will help um, raise the whole tide for everyone. Man, that happens. That happens in so many areas. You know, you've got people that um, are used to the way things were done, which in, in some cases might be very, very successful. And then there's that tug of war uh, uh, between, you know, a different mindset that's trying to maybe push the envelope a little bit or, or, or move the sport in this case forward, you know, that that's just a, an interesting, interesting tug of war dynamic there, isn't it? Yeah, it's a balance, you know, and then at the same time, you know, it's all about chasing the checkered flag and putting on a good show and having that genuine sport where people show up to root for. And what makes NASCAR different and motorsports different than any other sport is that you have 40 race teams, you have 40 drivers to root for, every weekend and when it's stick and ball sports or hockey you know it's just one-on-one it's going to be blackhawks against the blues right and so our group and our core fans they, they got multiple different channels to go and root for well listen from just and real quick from a tv perspective kurt the street race in chicago um is going to look great on camera i mean you were telling me about the route. It's down Michigan Avenue. It's around the Buckingham Fountain in Grant Park and, and right back up Michigan Avenue. In the summer, it's going to be gorgeous. The lakefront is going to look great. The skyline is going to look great. I mean, it is going to be an awesome product on, on, on television. That'll, be, that'll look really, really good. It's going to be incredible. I mean, I've heard some sponsors, uh, some team owners are looking at getting some boats to park out on, uh, on the lake, on Lake Michigan. Uh, you know, the playpen's just around the corner. Uh, but then again, just the, the city streets and being downtown and having access to all the restaurants, uh, the nightlife, great hotels. I mean, that's, that's what this is about. It's about bringing racing to a city center and putting on this type of event. Well, Chris and I are definitely going to throw down, as you said, with you, Kurt. We can't wait. The boats would be a very nice touch with this race. That could be incredible. Hey, easy. I might everything. be able to get pit passes. I don't know about boats. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. We're already going to be there. You can't take that back now. Love it. <laughs> Blackhawks are definitely going to have a presence there. No question. Chris and I would love to be there. Um, what's been your experience just being around the Blackhawks? I don't know how much you were here during you know, their reign, three Stanley Cups in a decade, just – 
obviously it's super cool, you know, hearing about your relationship and partnership with Michael Jordan, but what sort of relationships have you grown with some of the Blackhawks players? Unfortunately, Patrick Kane's not here anymore. Um, it's been a lot of turnover, but do you have any fun stories or, or memories that you can think of, whether it's Cubs or Blackhawks of players that you kind of went out with and, and grew relationships with while you were here? Yeah, it's been unique over the years just with all the different sports in Chicago, right? And, you know, with the players kind of switching in, switching out, uh, I haven't met the owner of the Blackhawks to, to say thank you and just to appreciate his commitment to the city and, and to that arena and to the environment that's, that's around the dynasty that the Blackhawks have had and experienced, right? You always just want to say thanks. Uh, I got a chance to meet uh, Mr. McCaskey, uh, Brian McCaskey, a few years back with the Bears, and then uh, Mr. Ricketts with the Cubbies. And, and my first response is always just to say thank you for continuing to push and to be, you know, like the third largest market. We're in charge there, right? Chicago's in charge of that whole Midwest. And we make St. Louis look small when it's time. You know, Cleveland, I don't know if they exist, but I'm not going to, I don't want to get in trouble with those fans. <laughs> you know, you know, and then of course, it's just that whole group of, of Chicagoans that, that make the city vibrant. And I'm, I'm always uh, happy to say it's my second hometown. So what would you do, though, if, if the Blackhawks and the Golden Knights played in the Western Conference Finals? That's that that would be a tough one. I'd have to go to all the games, right? I'm, I'm, I'm in Chicago, you know what hat I'd wear. If I'm in Vegas, you might know what hat I'd wear. Have you done the horn for the Golden Knights, Kurt? I feel like you were meant for that. Oh yeah, no, I I had oh, yeah. that pretty darn good. I had two beers in me, and uh, I was <laughs> gassed up for it. For sure. No, it's it's a great atmosphere there, and um, I'm excited about Thursday uh, with opening day with the Cubbies. And then uh, definitely got to catch a Bears game as soon as I can. And that way I can check off all three this this summer or while the weather's warm. That's a that's a great that's a great summer or, you know, even 2023 sports checklist there. And, and we're happy to, to get it started with with the Blackhawks against the Blues. You mentioned your, your partnership with Jordan Brand Racing. And did it ever come up in the interview process about? How big of a sneakerhead you are! We we hear you've got uh, we you got quite a collection, and did that to help help win MJ over a little bit too? What do we got here? What have we got yeah, that, today? Yeah, we got this is a freshie today. Oh, yeah, lovely! Nice, nice classic. Uh, I had uh, maybe a, a few dozen pairs before, and now I've got over a hundred that uh, that I get to bridge in and out, and so now I'm matching wardrobe. Each and every day, uh, I was able to wear uh, with the broadcast booth this past weekend. I had three suits and I had three sets of sneakers, and everybody's like, "I, I see it, I get it." Did you do a shoey after you won? Oh man, that's a great. We <laughs> missed that. Oh my there you god! Go. <laughs> Maybe at our team party. Maybe at our team okay. party. Okay. We're going to get Are you going to bring one of your nicer ones? A freshie? A freshie. <laughs> At least it won't be. Okay, a freshie is probably a better idea if you're going to do yeah, a shoey. We'll one of the, the new Monster Beasts. Uh, Monster has a new <laughs> alcohol drink out. It's called The Beast. So oh, boy. I think we have a good game plan here. Where does The Beast take you, Kurt? Where does that rank in all the new seltzers and spikes? I can only imagine a, a Monster <laughs> alcohol drink. Let's call it pole position. <laughs> there you go. You got to say that after you drink a shoey. 
<laughs> yeah, I like it. So that's a, it's a fun brand. Um, there's always like a, a different collaboration with an athlete coming by to see our NASCAR races. Um, you know, when I was in Charlotte, uh, they had the ACC tournament here for um, for college basketball. So I was able to wear my Tar Heel baby blue and white and represent and keep an eye out. There's uh, there's other NASCAR races where you're going to see the, the Jordan brand logo on our race car. So what's the setup at home with over a hundred pair of shoes? Do you have a big closet or what are we looking at in Carolina right now? A race car or a race track in the back? <laughs> so half the garage I ended up putting shelves in. And so they're out there okay. hanging out with some of the cars. So it's a, it's a cool little man cave. <laughs> Love well, it. Here, here's the thing though, Kurt, you know, as your broadcast career continues to take off, you know, having the, having the, the, the full suit with shoes for, you know, three different bright, you know, it becomes a little bit easier to, you know, maybe do like, you know, two shirts for, uh, for, for the three broadcast event, maybe, you know, just, you're going to want to condense your wardrobe a little bit just for the sake of convenience. All right. So yeah, actually I was made fun of by my social media group, uh, and some of my marketing people that came with me, I was in Daytona for bike week. I was there for 11 days. And we're doing different events on Supercross, uh, flat track, and then the Superbike race, right? And then there's Harleys everywhere. There's all kinds of, of fun parties. And when I was grabbing my suitcase to move from one hotel to the other, I had three suitcases. And the girls were like, why do you have three suitcases? I'm like, well, two of them are for shoes. And they're just like, <laughs> oh, my. God, <laughs> I'm that you guy. have to, you got to protect them too. Yes. I'm that guy. Oh yeah. All of them have the, uh, the water repellent spray. On there we go. Before I <laughs> Suede spray before you do a race. You know what's going down. Well, I'm ready. I can't wait for you, me and Chris to do a, a shoey when you're in Chicago for the street race too. win or lose. I still fully expect to do that. I like it. Yeah. You guys got to, is your brother going to be in town? Yes, Kyle will be there for the race. He'll be racing. Uh, we got Bubba Wallace on our team with the Toyota, uh, Tyler Reddick. I believe it'll be a, a monster-sponsored race. And then McDonald's will most likely be with uh, Bubba Wallace. Uh, they're headquartered there in Chicago, so they're a great partner with us. Kurt, what, what can you say about, about a good old Toyota Camry? You know, I, I, grew, up in a, I grew up in a Camry household, um, I, I drive one now, obviously, proudly around the around the city of Chicago. You know, there's a, there's a good amount of of Toyotas that you'll see in Chicago. It's funny. I used to live in Michigan, and I swear I had the only Camry in the entire state. I mean, it's all Chevy, Ford in in Michigan. God bless them. But uh, you know, the Camry. I, I I never would have thought that the, that that Camry would have made um, a good racing car. You mean I, I I'm just cruising around in a, in a V in a V four hybrid. Uh, but, but what's it, what's it like racing a Camry? Yeah. For us with Camry, uh, TRD Toyota racing development takes it to the next level. Uh, there's Gazoo garage that's uh, from Japan and they're, uh, outfitting different Supras Toyota Supras right now. And that's in the secondary series in NASCAR. Uh, but for us top level, the Camry is a V eight. It's awesome to race because of Toyota's development program with the simulators, uh, the engines uh, come from California. You know, the cars are built in North Carolina for our racing program. 
Uh, but then a Camry is, is built here in the U.S. And they've been around racing for almost two decades now. And it should be just easily said to compare to, you know, those guys that are up in Michigan. <laughs> for some of the more NASCAR, like, nerds, I will say, because I don't know the technology as well, Kurt, but for those of our NASCAR fans that are maybe interested in the technology behind the cars that are going to be present at the race. Like what is it like driving some of these newer cars compared to some of the ones that you've done in the last 10 years or so and where it's at and, and what you're looking forward to seeing from that point at this race this summer in Chicago? No, that's awesome. Thanks for that question. I mean, the, the next gen car, the new car in NASCAR, uh, this is its second year, uh, very different from the driver's side. It might look, very similar on the outside, uh, but it has all the cool upgrades that the manufacturers bring for the body styles. But as far as driving it, uh, it's a sequential gearbox now. So it's a five-speed sequential, uh, similar to a motorcycle engine where you got to shift through all the gears and then you got to downshift through all the gears to um, get back to neutral. It's not your standard uh, manual. Uh, big brakes, big calipers, big wheels, big tires. Like everything was expanded for braking and cornering. Uh, the sequential gearbox, again, is, is better and quicker for shifting. Uh, and then now we're um, with fuel injection. Makes the cars fire up super easy. Everything's on a, on a laptop for tuning. And then with our digital dash, uh, it's not touchscreen, but everything is set up digitally now uh, as far as our temperatures, the tachometer uh, and our shift points, uh, pit road numbers. Uh, it's, it's pretty wild on our dash now. We have like five settings that we can um, page through. Kurt, that, that's really interesting to hear about the evolving technology in the sport. Uh, you know, and that's something that, that we come across on a regular basis covering the NHL as well. And in addition, how, how do you think motorsports and, and NASCAR specifically, I guess, is evolving with the modern fan you know that that's a question that the nhl is grappling with a lot as fans cut cords with with their cable packages they consume more content on social media platforms like twitter and instagram and maybe don't watch the sport in the in the traditional way the, the linear way as much as in the past where do you think NASCAR is on those issues and, and what are they doing to, I guess, keep recruiting, if you will, young fans? Yeah, it's a matter of um, covering all areas, you know, covering all bases, uh, knowing where your front line is or keeping the goalie in check or knowing when to pull the goalie. I mean, you got to <laughs> you got to have all the right moments and, and all the right tools for everybody to have access to on uh, some of its new venues. That's what we're seeing in NASCAR is we're branching out to a lot of new places. Uh, we hadn't raced in Wisconsin uh, in like 50 years, and we went up to Road America the last couple of years, and now we have the Chicago Street Race, uh, Nashville. We hadn't raced there in, in 30 years. Uh, we put dirt on one of our tracks and went old school and raced uh, on, the, on the dirt as far as a, an atmosphere for dirt fans. So we're all over right now. I think we're doing great to keep the integrity and the old school fan and, and the old lineage together of, of how our sport was, was built. Uh, and then you get new sponsors, new, new groups of people that want to invest into the sport 
and new partners that will uh, benefit from their side of it. And then the teams benefit and the growth continues in all directions. But ultimately, it's about options. Uh, Fox Sports does a great job. NBC Sports does a great job. And then uh, the streaming side of it is going to be the next chapter. Kurt, that's so interesting, all of it. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm ready to go home and just, like, get ready for this summer now. And you have such a great story from the beginning of your career, your family ties, everything. I was thinking while you're explaining all the technology, like, my goal, one of my, like, three or four goals is to do a pull-up and then also learn how to drive stick. So I just have so much respect for what you guys do behind the wheel. And I also, I was listening to an interview once where you talked about your wife, Ashley, and, and how she had no interest in, or she did, really didn't know NASCAR before meeting you. I was curious kind of what you think for, for new fans, especially in the Chicago market with the race coming up this summer, what really drives new fans when they get there and they see the cars and they see the course? Like what did your wife, Ashley, and what do you see uh, really captivates people about the sport when they, when they first get there and sink their teeth into it? Yeah, one of my favorite comments that she made was we were at our smallest track in Martinsville, Virginia. I think it seats 65,000. Uh, it's one of the smallest uh, shaped tracks. And people, she's blown away by this is huge. This is out of control. Like, oh, my gosh. what? And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is the small one. <laughs> uh, so it's the sights. It's the sounds. Uh, the rumble in the ground when the cars go by. Uh, the teamwork from the pit crew guys, uh, the engineering staff, uh, the colors, the numbers. I mean, the kids, all the kids just gravitate towards the cars with numbers. And we wear our driver suits and we look like, you know, caped crusaders. It's, uh, it worked for, for every age and every demographic. It's, it's a lot of fun to be part of. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, you know, the, this, this event in Chicago that's coming up, by the way, and, and that's the the Grant Park 220 on July 2nd, and then before that, the Xfinity Series race on July 1st, the Loop 121. In, in a way, Kurt, it, it kind of sounds like the NASCAR version of the NHL's Winter Classic, where they play a game at a at an outdoor sports venue. They, they played a Winter Classic at Wrigley Field, for example. Um, wh where do you think this track in, in downtown Chicago will, will rank for you in, in terms of the most... Uh, interesting or unorthodox tracks that you've raced on or, or participated in? What, what are some other kind of cool ones? Yeah, th this one will by far be the most unique and different than, than any other place. And our sport is ready for it, you know, and, and then there's like the old school places like Darlington, South Carolina that are still on our schedule. It's the Southern 500. It's like that true, we are in the South moment. And I think up there in Chicago, it's going to be that true street race. Like, wow. With the gorgeous view of Lakeshore drive, the city in the background and being right there in Grant park around the, the Buckingham fountain. Like it's just going to have that whole beauty side to it. And, it, but it's the rough and tough NASCAR guys. And listen, I'm asking because I genuinely don't know. What do you think of the of the NASCAR market uh, or or NASCAR fandom in in Chicago? What what is the what is the reputation of Chicago among the NASCAR community? Is it a, is it a is it a cool town? Is it a are there tons of fans? Are they are they crazy fans? What's a, what's the book on Chicago? 
Yeah, it's because we haven't raced up in that region all that much. And the closest track uh, was Joliet. But years before that, uh, you know, like Kansas Speedway didn't even exist, right? And everybody would come from uh, all around the Midwest to go to the Texas race that's down in Dallas. So now that we've expanded and we've gone through the Midwest and had races in Iowa, you know, uh, Joliet, Kansas, you get that core Midwestern fan that is just hardcore all about their sports. And that's, that's what I see. I mean, I, you see that and feel that in New England, uh, here in the South, out West. Uh, but the Midwest group, I mean, who doesn't like to go to Chicago? Maybe they're from St. Louis. I don't know. But everybody loves to go to Chicago. <laughs> I will say bring like hockey has done a great job, I think, at trying to bring teams to non-traditional markets as well. We were just in Arizona. I used to work in Tampa, Florida, uh, where the Lightning have become one of the best non-traditional markets, two-time Stanley Cup champs in the last couple years. So it's amazing what what it can do when you bring that sport into a, a new market like that, and they just kind of fall in love with it. So I guess for me my question um, – is on the lines of Chicago sports fans. Like how easy is it to fall in love with Chicago and the Cubs? I don't know how much you celebrated the world series or how much time you spent in Wrigleyville after that, but what is it like just being around Midwesterners in Chicago for you? I know your parents are from here, blue collar. Like what does it mean to be a part of that sports world for you and, and the history that this, the city's had in the last few years? I mean, it, it's a blessing and a curse, right? I mean, our, our Bears <laughs> won in 1985, and I remember every moment with uh, Ditka and Jim McMahon, uh, his sweetness, Walter Payton, you know, with MJ and the Bulls all through the 90s when I was a kid, you know, and, and with the Cubbies finally breaking through in 2016, and then just we always counted on the Blackhawks uh, for that dynasty and, and to be a winning program and to be a championship work ethic all the time. It, it's an amazing sports town. You know, people go to New York and yeah, people can go to LA. Yeah. Chicago's <laughs> the heat. And uh, it's, it's easy to fall in love with the food, the people, and uh, the atmosphere there is always beautiful. I, I completely agree. I think that's very well said. And I, I think that's the, that's what makes Chicago the, the quintessential American city is, you know, you've got the big city vibe that you can get, on either coast, um, but there's also that that uh, heartland feel, and it's just you can get absolutely anything. You know, anybody can, any event, any organization can come to Chicago and and put on an event, and there will be tons of fans because there's there's something for everybody. Every every kind of cross section of of America, I think, is is represented in Chicago. So um, we're really excited to have you, Kurt, for sure. Um, before we let you go, I, I did want to ask you just a couple Chicago related sports questions for you. Um, <laughs> one is, one is related back to, to your beloved Chicago Cubs. I understand that you have a, uh, somewhat of a loose goal to get to every major league stadium. Is that correct? And if so, how far along your journey are you? I was uh, able to check off every MLB stadium before I got oh. to the age of 35. And Whoa. so wow. anytime a new stadium is built, I got to get there the same year. So the last new one that I went to was uh, Texas Rangers. They built a new stadium down there in Arlington. And so it's always trying to check the box of new stadiums. And if it works out perfect, it'll be when the Cubbies are visiting any new stadium. 
Wow. Well, let's try and uh, let's try and get you to every NHL arena next. I, I think that would be a, that would be a good kind of sequel to your to your MLB journey. That is very impressive, though. Bravo. Well, thank you. I'm going to need some jackets. I don't do good in cold weather, so I'm with, <laughs> we'll have to we can do up that. Up north. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt, the, the last Chicago sports question I had for you was, of course, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan notwithstanding, who are some of your favorite Chicago athletes growing up as, as a kid maybe or, or even into adulthood? Who are, who are some of your favorite Chicago athletes? As a kid uh, with WGN, Brian Sandberg was on TV like every day. And he was a second baseman. And I played second base a lot when I was a little leaguer. And so he was my fave, and I, I got totally geeked out when I met him. I met Greg Maddox one time at a charity event and totally, like, turned fanboy. Uh, <laughs> it, it was really neat, really neat with the Cubbies. I mean, with the Bears, I mean, with Walter Payton. I met Jim McMahon at a charity baseball game one time. Uh, Brian Urlacher. You know, that, that whole era, uh, like with Lovey Smith uh, taking us to the Super Bowl in 06, that was cool. You know, and then with the Blackhawks, Kane obviously was was the big name uh, that, that I followed for a long time. And then with MJ and the Bulls, I mean, that dynasty and then watching the the, the documentary of The Last Dance, it, it's amazing. And it's an inspirational type of program and film. And you see it from all angles. You see it from Coach. You see it from Dennis Rodman. You see it from Pippen's angle. Uh, you see it from MJ. Uh, but MJ's the goat. There's there's no other uh, that will ever be on top, and it's a it's a blessing and it's a privilege to be able to race for him. Yeah, I was gonna say I think that's an incredible honor that he talked what he said to you earlier in the interview when you referenced your heart, and I don't think it gets any higher from a respect level than MJ kind of talking about what he sees in you and and how that's what he's you know, how he based his whole career on the way he played and was respected. So that was cool. And I just wanted to ask really quick too, while you mentioned some of those bears players from when they last won the super bowl, a lot of them got inducted into the Chicago sports hall of fame last year, a little bit late Erlacher being one of them. I had never heard the super bowl shuffle or seen that music video before. Was that, was that high on your, your list of things that you loved? I thought it was one of the greatest things ever. And some of them sang it on stage after being inducted and it was hilarious. Oh, that's incredible. You know, I miss that. But yeah, the shuffle, of course. Uh, and then you William the Fridge, Perry. Yes. Like, I was always <laughs> waiting for the next commercial on what they were going to do with refrigerators. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that was, and then uh, that Ditka. was super. Yeah, Ditka, right? With yes. the cigars. And what's Ditka up to next? Yeah, he's, he's legend. Iconic. Still, st Yeah, exactly. Still, still an icon here in Chicago. Um, Kurt, this has been a ton of fun. We, we've really enjoyed Kaylee and I broadening our, our NASCAR knowledge. The uh, NASCAR street event that's coming to Chicago in early July sounds like a blast. The Chicago street race coming in July 1st and 2nd, in particular the, the Sunday, July 2nd race, the Grant Park 220, a 12-turn, 2.2-mile course. Um, it, it, it's great to hear about the ways in which NASCAR is trying to grow the sport. That's something that we're trying to do as well on the NHL side of things. And it's great to have you at a Blackhawks game against the St. Louis Blues uh, and, and uh, looking forward to having you in the booth. So thanks so much for coming on the Blackhawks Insider Podcast. We really appreciate it and uh, good luck 
with the uh, continued development of the sport. And we can't wait to have you back in Chicago in July. Nah, thank you very much. It's always fun to do some cool cross promotions. And uh, Toyota was telling me I better get my stick on the ice because they, they might have me out there to try to fling a puck into the net. I'm yes. the worst skater. I am horrible at skating. So help me out, guys. Throw out a rug or something. They will. Hey, put if, out a if rug you for take him, right? if you take us for a spin in a car, I will gladly put on skates with you and and take a few laps around the United Center. <laughs> oh, like it? Yes, we can. We can learn how to do stick shift, and we'll learn how to do ice skating. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Kurt. We'll, we'll Thank talk you guys. down the road. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much once again to Kurt Bush and and yeah, Kaylee. I uh, let let's uh, let's follow up with Kurt about those pit tickets. I uh, oh I'm yeah. Down. All over it. I'm going to be the biggest NASCAR fan after this interview. I'm ready. <laughs> Let's get into sellies and chirps. You know the drill. Each of us brings a topic to the discussion panel and invite either a selly or a chirp designation. Um, this is going to seem really crazy, but my selly or chirp is blubber. And the hockey tie <laughs> is... On a recent shootout game-winning goal by Boston Bruins' Jake DeBrusque, Jack Edwards, my counterpart with the Boston Bruins, the television announcer, had a, a, a pretty epic quote when DeBrusque scored the game-winning goal. He said, strip the blubber from the whale and burn it. <laughs> and, you know, that's a very, a very graphic, you know, visceral description um you know that harkens back to the days when when whale blubber was used as a a, a source of of heat uh, you know and and oil um back at, back in the days before our our you know creature comforts of of central air um save the whales chris save, save the, whales. the whales i don't want to be mean, thinking I, about that after i win I, I assume that this was done sustainably, uh, you know, this this stripping of the blubber from the whale and burning it. I, I don't I don't know, you know, if there was, you know, OK, they're playing the Carolina Hurricanes, you know, you know, that's kind of, uh, you know, sea related. I don't know if that, you know, brought to mind the, the whale blubber necessarily. Um, when no we were... chance I wouldn't be laughing if you said that on <laughs> a goal and I had to follow that up after a shootout victory. So what do you think? I mean, what, what do you think? Would you, it, what, what do you think of the, of the call? Would you sell your trip? And if I, if it, if it were my call, I mean, would you, would you be thinking I was crazy or <laughs> listen, I like it. I personally, I like it. I think it, uh, you know, it makes you, well, it certainly makes you stop and think. I like that. It's a little bit out there, but, um, what, what about you, Kaylee? Do you think I'll, I could I celebrate it, it because I like to laugh. I think it's funny. <laughs> that would totally catch me off guard. That image in my head um, after the goal is not what, have I, what I would have anticipated. So I will celebrate it in the creativity aspect. I love um, when play-by-play -play guys and girls can bring in a different element. So it's very creepy in some sense to think about that image and harvesting blubber after Jake DeBrus scores a goal like that yeah. while also being invested in the energy of the crowd. Uh, but I'll celebrate it with you, Chris. I think the, the creativity aspect and the laugh is, is worth it. <laughs> and, and let, and remember, you know, cause, cause I, I know Jack, he's a, he's a, he's a great guy. He's very smart. The, 
the team that preceded the Carolina Hurricanes, the Hartford Whalers. So, ah, you know, is that was that what the connection was? I think that may have been where that may have been where he was going. That um, is a stretch, but I. Um... I think deep. that fits even more. It's very deep. Yeah, it's much very deeper deep. than I thought. I think I might be speechless after trying to connect the dots if you said yeah. that to me. Well, full but I disclosure, like this is now turning into a spinoff, Sally and Chirp. We thought that when we initially saw the the text from the call, we thought that it was that the word was flubber and not blubber. And so that we were actually going to make a cellular chirp about the movie Flubber, which is one of my favorite movies ever. And oh, of course uh, I it will is. Celebrate. Did you catch my shoulders? Uh, who am I? <laughs> Are you Flubber? Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> wow. He <laughs> moves like, 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 like Flubber. <laughs> favorite movie. I can't believe you didn't pick up on that. <laughs> yes. I mean, I was like, well, you're not, it's definitely not, you're definitely not acting like Weebo. So, uh, <laughs> I'm not as smart as Weebo is, but I can definitely do Flubber. I'm glad uh, to know that that's your favorite movie though. I'll celebrate that too, Chris. Hard to, hard to say what Robin Williams' greatest work is. I know Scott Darling's a big Robin Williams fan. You'll have to, you got to ask is. him what he, I where, want you to work Flubber in Flubber. Ranks. I want you to work Flubber into your, to your broadcast next season. That's, that's one of my goals in, a, in addition to driving stick with Kurt, I'd also like you to work in Flubber. You're, but you're giving me next season for that. Oh, okay. If you want to be bold, please do this season. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'll be listening. Oh my. <laughs> I want you to do that at the same time with Sharpie. There'll be the, oh my You God, think Sharpie, Sharpie can throw the shoulders or Troy? <laughs> Sharpie, Sharpie maybe. Sharpie, I don't think Sharpie, Sharpie would, might have the flubber shoulders. He might have the flubber shoulders. So okay, <laughs> we'll test it out. We'll test it out. I'll report okay. back. I'll go. I'll go next. On that note, um, we were talking about engagements at sporting events earlier today. So you were engaged this year, Chris, uh, not at a sporting event, but are you celebrating or chirping, um, being getting engaged or proposing at a sporting event? And if you need to go into any more detail, I think my biggest thing with that is that you just you have to be 100% sure, right, that they're going to say yes, which I would think that you'd have that confidence ahead of time. But are you celebrating or chirping the, the, the uh, engagements at, an, at a sporting event? Well, um, you know, again, I think having, having gone through this process myself and now planning a wedding, you know, it, my perspective is so much different and it really has got to come down to the couple and mm. you know, it's what it's, if it's the couple style or not. So for me, there was, there was a, a proposal on the ice at the United center, not that long ago, following yes. the, the second intermission, shoot the puck. And I had a moment of insecurity thinking like, Oh man, like I should have done something <laughs> like a big bang like that, something really cool. Um, but I, you know, when I was, when Liz and I were talking about getting married, it, you know, she made it very clear that she did not want any kind of public display. So had I, had I done that, I, I might've gotten, I might've gotten the thumbs <laughs> down. Yeah. Might have gotten turned down. Postponed. Postponed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, TBD. I'll have to let you know. Let me get back to you on that. Um, 
But so, so, you know, we, we, we did it our way and she loved it. She was thrilled. The only other person that was there for the proposal was Blackhawks team photographer, Chase Agnello Dean, who yes. uh, showed up to take some incognito photos. So that, that, that's what worked out great for us. Um, but I, I sell I celebrate the, the in arena proposal. I, I think it's cool. I would have done it had I gotten the, uh, the green light from Liz. I would have, I would have, the wheels would have been spinning for something like that. So I like it. You get the crowd involved. I think the crowd loves it. Um, the one thing <laughs> I will like a say, true play just, by play person. Thank you. The, the one, the one thing that's what I am. Uh, the one thing I will say just as a counterpoint though, is, is sometimes it, it's a little rushed. Right. You know, you gotta, you gotta hurry up and get down on one knee. And, um, so, you know, but, which but, but knee that's, did you that's pick? Okay. Did you which have an intention on which knee? <laughs> yes. Do you remember? I had no intention. I mean, naturally, <laughs> I, I think it was probably my left knee. My brother was nervous that and that's how we knew he was. <laughs> I don't know. I was actually wondering because I knew my brother was a little nervous. He also got engaged this year. He texted our family because we were like, don't blow it. And he was like, which knee do I do? Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, I don't think it matters, does it? Is there a proper knee? But Listen, hat, <laughs> it's all a blur. Hat tip, to, hat tip to Jake Chelios. I mean, that is a very detailed level of thinking <laughs> right there. I mean, he was not... He was not going to miss anything. So, wow, that's not, uh, that's not impressive. anything. Well, I, and I will say too, with the public sporting events, I mean, a lot can go wrong and then it's on public if it doesn't go right, especially on the ice. I know they have the, the rollout mats, but I'm just thinking like if you drop it or you slip or then it's really public, right? That's, that's a great point. <laughs> and if, if, so if that, if you slip, do you just say, all right, for like, do you pull the, like the, pull the plug? Like, all right, I'm not, you wear a I'm helmet not proposing. Before you like, do it. <laughs> if I slipped and fell, I would probably be like, all right, like I'm pulling the emergency, the emergency parachute here. I would I'm love to see B, you in like a full B. cage. Getting Bubble wrap. Liz is lucky. I will say Liz is lucky. You did a great job. I'm very proud of you, Chris, doing it in private and, and not with the big, big stage. So celebrating the, the idea, but I'm also celebrating your decision to, to do it, um, in a more intimate setting. What, uh, what, how, uh, how did, how did Danny propose to you? I planned the whole thing myself unintentionally. You planned the whole thing? <laughs> He's a genius. It's <laughs> yeah. like, let's go out to a nice dinner. I had just got my nails done. I just got a new outfit. I planned everything from my new outfit to the place we were picking. And he just, um, he went for it, like on the roof. Actually, it was really nice, but I thought it was so funny. If I hadn't picked everything, I was like, where were we going to go or what were we going to do? And so it worked out great. We went to a new rooftop in Tampa. I'll have to tell our, our good friend Colby about the spot uh, when he goes to cover the Frozen Four there. And I was all ready to go on my own accord and basically designed my own proposal. And his brother was there to take the picture. He had brought the ring from Chicago with him. So it worked out great. No complaints. You are a mastermind, Kaylee. You really genius, are. Genius. Yes, you yeah, are. I, mean, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> well, my biggest tip to anybody who's thinking about proposing to a significant other, make sure that they get their nails done beforehand. 
That would be nice. It was crazy. I had my nails done that day. That's the big thing. If the nails aren't done, then, you know, you'll, you might never live it down. Just don't so, get engaged. <laughs> word, that's right. Word to the, Just <laughs> word to the wise. Uh, by the way, there's a, there's, forget, forget an engagement. There's a wedding taking place at the, at the United Center this week. Very rushed, I would think that's going to be, but also really cool. I've never seen a wedding, and at the United Center, it's going to be a good crowd. Is Kurt going to be there for that? I'm not sure. I was just thinking, I've never crashed a wedding, though, so maybe... Uh... There we go. Maybe maybe you, me, and Kurt will get in there and do some shoeies to celebrate. Wedding crashers, yeah. <laughs> wedding crashers. Uh, <laughs> I've always, always been on my bucket list. Okay. <laughs> well, we well, did it. We, yeah, this was uh, this was an off the rails episode with Kurt Bush and and an off the rails sellies and chirps as well. Um, you got anything else, Kaylee? Before we say so long, flubber. Nope. Flubber I'm out. Is back in the building. <laughs> Kaylee Chelios as flubber in the. That's <laughs> my next that Halloween costume. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I'll just put Jello all over myself. Um. Yeah. Gosh. Or you could like yeah, encased in like. Be, that be would crazy. take some some work, but I'm with you. Let's work on that. Well, we got <laughs> we still got time. Week. Six months. You can so be so Weibo. I'll be yeah. I'll Scott will be like, Robin Williams. Yeah, we'll be the whole the whole kitten caboodle. Whole I'll kitten just caboodle. wear like I'll be dressed in yellow. <laughs> with the That's one eye, right? Weibo, Weibo had some kind of eye. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I got time to think. We'll about think about that. it. Yeah. In and around our summer of NASCAR races and Halloween costume planning, so <laughs> you we never will be back. I got my next selling chirp. Oh, you do? Next okay. Week. Uh -huh. Well, there's there is the tease for next week's episode, <laughs> our first of the month of April, as we barrel toward a conclusion on this regular season of Blackhawks hockey. We want to thank all of you for joining in today. Remember, more content is available at Blackhawks.com. Thanks, as always, to Brad Dollar and Southside Jake for the music featured on the podcast. Thanks once again to the sponsors of this Blackhawks Insider podcast, ChevyDrivesChicago.com. Drive what the captain, Jonathan Taves, drives. And, as always, we will be back next week for another episode of the Blackhawks Insider podcast. <laughs>